la 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 This is the house that I have to deliver this mail to. Ding dong! Man, I gotta get that, uh, that, that, uh, that doorbell fixed. That's a very boring ding dong. Uh, hello, who is this? Hello, I'm your local mailman. Uh, we haven't been, uh, taken away yet, but I have a mail for you. Man, you're really fancy. You got a top hat and everything for a mailman. Thank you. Is this where, uh, I'm a, you, is... Uh, I'm a very good mailman. The, the more you do mail, the higher your hat becomes. All right, sir. As also being the greatest mailman ever, I deliver punctually. So, here you are. It's it's unaddressed. It just says something called TTU. Flop. You sound like um, what's his name? The guy from uh, Raising Arizona. Uh. John Goodman's character? No, no, the main character. I forget his name. Oh, yes, Nick Cage. Famously, you sound like Nick Cage from Vampire Diaries. He famously played a drunk in Leaving Las Vegas. Which Man, we know a lot about movies. We should I, I do wonder a what podcast. this package is. And if, open yeah, it let's up. Let's do that. Uh, let's make a... Open it okay, up. Well, you know what? I'll just open it up for right. you. All right. Oh, my goodness. This is the un... The disclosed TTU episode titled Flop. It's never been played Excuse before. Me. Did you Shut just up. open my mail? Shut your mouth. Did we're, you, as a mailman, just we're without my permission, open my own mail? I thought you gave me permission when you said I sounded like You know, like it's kind of sad. Cage. I mean, you, you mailman, like, you're, you're the heroes right now. Like, right now, as we're speaking, I'm looking at the date at this, when this thing was recorded. The, the U.S. Postal Service was on like uh, was on Congress right now talking about uh, he was on trial uh, at the House of Jeez, the, uh, what's, what's wrong? House okay, of Representatives. Anyways, <laughs> no, I'm just trying to be topical. This is what's happening with the post office at the time of this recording. I know, but now we're a rogue state and we control the United States of America. Anyways, you delinquent dunce. Oh, the USPS. Yeah, we're that's it. We're the United States of Post Service. Uh, but we should play this we should play this tape because I'm really sad these days. Yeah, well I don't have a uh, a tape. I do player. Here, I let me you. pop it in. Eh, 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 eh. Put the stinking tape. Hopefully there's nothing wrong All with right. it. Let's start it. Boop. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. This is um Two Thumbs Undecided. Uh, two Thumbs Undecided. This is um our hundredth and blah, 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 episode. Um We don't want to show our age, I we, guess. Yeah. Cause I I started we started this when we were uh twelve. When we were both twelve. Just young so, men. Uh, Just young men in our um, pretty old. It's crazy yeah. Uh, but uh, this is a American tradition. We are, uh, I believe, the only video and media content on Radio Free Brooklyn. So you're kind of getting like a raw deal here. Um, yeah. We are, uh, some people may call us uh, America's podcast. No, don't. <laughs> or radio show. We're radio's radio. We're America's That's radio true. show. That's uh, true. Um, we are avid listeners of Comedy Bang Bang. They are Americans, uh, America's podcast. We could be America's radio show, 
that also yeah. becomes a, a podcast. But I really don't want to steal any linguistics from any podcast. I want us to be our own thing, even though we are a tried and tired thing of two white guys talking about movies. Uh, I like to think that we're, uh, you know, just uh, just us, you know. Uh, try to be something a little different, give you a little different tilt to how we see movies. The um, we're oh wow, I'm actually kind of low on batteries. Um, we're usually very the, confused. Yes, I mean that goes with the territory of being undecided. Um, our third thumb, as she's been called recently, Karina, uh, Karina who was on last week's episode, uh, said that we should have an episode in which we have people debate us if we're a radio show or a podcast, <laughs> which I thought would be funny. Well, I would be um, on the side of we're a podcast. I mean. See, I would be on the. Maybe we should just debate then. Okay, but see, I will say, techno. Here's the thing: I have to think about this. We do come out as a radio show. That's like saying, if you watch a movie but you watch it in thirty minute segments, is it a TV show? No, it's it's still a movie. Yeah, I, I I'm more just like um. Uh, sorry, it's there. It's morning, so my brain is a little bit slower. Well, you're a professional. Um, Darn it. So you should be I'm up sorry. to snuff. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I but, am right. Um, we are right now. We're not really the a radio show since we are doing pre-records. But before the pandemic, we were doing all live shows. So we were very definitely radio back then. Um, but I would still argue we still maintain the same radio essence because we really don't edit anything. Uh, we only edit for time. But... We're kind of forced to follow the time anyways when we were doing radio shows. So we're just adhering to that same strict time that we are allotted. Um, but yeah, we're a media show. We um, talk about media. Uh, I will say um, there's a few things I was going to say. Well, we, let's just get into the news. Yes. What is going um, on in the news? Once again... Everything comes to a standstill in the quarantine, but hey, what are you going to do? Well, I got a lot of news, really. Um, Shoot it this way, baby. More suggestions and, yeah, some news as well. Um, I also want to, last week, um, I was fairly uh, off the rocker, I would say. Why? off my rocker so i was a little bit um it was a long week it was a long week um so i was a little bit uh uh inebriated yeah for everybody um i think last week uh to put it uh last week what sounded like like some sort of crying for help uh type you were uh it was it was a crying for help, which I, I from I, both Karina and I. Yes, I. Um, um, I mean, hey, you know, my brother from the same uh, mother. Uh, you, you need a, a line to cast yourself. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm here. I am not. But I'm fine now, so I don't need your help. Oh. Um, but uh, I do want to acknowledge that last week. But maybe that might be enticing for some people because I think we were very raw. Um, uh, not too raw like Eddie Murphy. That would have been awkward. yeah. We weren't we weren't just reciting like, like I said his whole stand up. Yeah, we as two white guys we could probably that would be like a Michael Scott 
thing where he's doing the Chris Rock. I guess. Because there's um, so the news for there's a bit of news. Um, first off, update on festivals. Um, this yes. week, this this um, festival season is obviously very different from previous seasons because um, it's all going to be digital, and they have made it very clear that they are limiting press for these festivals. So far, we've only heard from Venice, who has denied us the right to report on them. So therefore, I think we should make it a point on saying that I'm denying the the right to acknowledge Venice, <laughs> especially since last year, the, Joker won for best for best film. Yeah, I gotta I tell you, Venice is a Venice is a failed um, film festival. Um, you know, just the golden I, line. I feel like when movies that should not be awarded awards get awards, it vindicates everything for. People who don't that don't really have a great opinion on movies, at least that's my opinion. Uh, but like you could say, yeah, Joker is such a, a a basic movie, but it won the Venice Award, and it's like, darn it, you're right. It's it once again, I, it harkens back to Suicide Squad. It's like Suicide Squad's a horrible movie, an Oscar-winning movie. Mm. Um, I'm I'm personally just tired of the Joker. That's the I mean I I used to love Yeah, it's become quite the meme these days. It's such the meme and um, also it's like the epitome. It's like I imagine back in the day if you were a theater like in Elizabethan times, if you were wanting to play a character, it's like I want to play Othello or who's the bad guy from Hamlet? Uh Araldo. Uh It's like what are the greatest parts to play? Now for some reason it's like Ah, I want to dive deep into the twisted mind of the Joker. Like, that's the part. The Joker has become the new, uh, like, classic villain to play. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, it did come from literary uh, beginnings, technically. <laughs> I'm looking at the, um, the, the winners of the, the Golden Lion, and there's been a few years in which... Um, there just wasn't anything going on. There was one year, um, especially this year. Uh, there there was two years in the fifties, in fifty three and fifty six, that they just couldn't decide. <laughs> so they just the, the 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 prize was declared void. Imagine going to that festival and like you're about you could win, and the people were just like, we can't can't decide. It's done. No one wins. It's like what? Imagine, yeah. So no one. Imagine paying all that money, and it's just like there are no winners. This yeah, is I France. mean it's great, I guess, for the the losers, but yeah, but then the losers Anyways. don't know that they're losers, and it gets all messed up. Yeah, but we're still waiting to hear back from TIFF. We're gonna apply the New York Film Festival, but uh, I mean, it is. I- I'm gonna be honest. We aren't IndieWire. We're not the New York Times. You know. Those places probably are going to get priority over us. But I'd still like to hopefully get into the New York Film Festival, at the very least, since that's our that's our bread and butter. That's, that's um, our, yeah, that's we, our we went there. Base. I, I feel like since we came there last year and covered it, we should, uh, it kind of lets us slip in to the next one. Um, also, especially since 
you know, we won't be able to go places physically. Um, the New York Film Festival is probably the only film festival we'll able to, be do, to actually see these these videos in or these films in person. Um, so continuing on, uh, there's a few cancellations that recently just happened that are kind of shocking. Um, do tell, do tell. Have you, do you know the show Patriot Act? Uh, no. The but... Hassan, Hassan Minaj show? No. Oh. It was on Netflix? Yeah, I never watched it, but I knew that Oh, guy. really? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought of the political comedy shows, which are kind of a dime a dozen these these days i thought it was a very interesting you know take because it was really the only one that was hosted by first off just someone younger than 40 like it was a millennial hosting it um but also a person of color because i feel like i mean all the late shows late night shows are basically political commentary shows now um and but i thought it did a really good job of diving into topics that really aren't talked about too much. Um, like, it's the only show that really... Well, I guess it was kind of in competitions with Last Week Tonight, but uh, but that got canceled. Also, Drunk History got canceled. Yeah, that's the one that I was... I mean, in a way, I kind of feel like I've lived with Drunk History for the longest time. I remember when it came out on YouTube in high school, and then it got a TV show, and it, it's, it feels like it's been a decade of just Drunk History. So, in a way, I don't know why they're canceling it. If people watched it, was did you see a reason? I didn't see a reason. I think maybe it just wasn't doing very well. Comedy Central is also like Oh, no, that's the thing. Actually, you know what? I did see something. Um I think they're trying to move more towards uh uh animation. And so they're just clearing up cleaning up shop. So, hmm. I guess they thought I used to work for um not comedy nor not um comedy central but i worked for viacom who is you know owns comedy central that whole entire organization is is just they don't care about you know good content i feel like they just care about the old ones and twos if you know what i mean um or maybe threes um there, but in in good news, and you know about you might know about this more than me, Zach. I do, I do. Um, there's a new show coming out mm-hmm. starring John C. Riley. That's right. Oh, yes, Tim Heidecker. Um, actually, Fred I... Armiston. Armistead. What's his last name? Fred Ar- Armiston. 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 Okay. Called Moonbase Eight, which is a new Showtime show. But it was um, uh, picked up from A24. Um. But here's the interesting thing about that. I remember seeing this, honestly, two years ago. So this has been ready to go for the longest time. And uh, I was sometimes I listen to this podcast uh, called uh, Office Hours with Tim Heidecker. Yeah, I don't uh, like Office Hours. It's not the. It's not. I'm gonna it's, be blunt. It's not. It does not have the greatest structure. Uh, it's on it. I mean, it has a structure. It just I don't. It's some podcasts aren't like us. Like I love me just a formatted thing. I don't know. It goes on for three hours, and I don't really want to just listen to people just ramble. Tell you the truth, uh, it's calling the kettle black. I honestly think that's kind of what our podcast structure is like. Well, 
I think the difference. Well, the, the well, well, the difference is, difference is between it's, ours. It's me and I don't really. Well, I do think the difference between ours and theirs. Well, first off, I mean, we're it's not Tim Heidecker, so they're. Yeah. But I'm just talking about the structure itself. Um, I think they really play into the the sound effects. Like I think yes. Vic Berger has an audio board, and sometimes it's funny, but. I listen to podcasts to kind of just mellow out to either wake up or to go to bed. It is not, it's not really something that I can like fall asleep or wake up to. It's just very chaotic. Also, and I can't stand podcasts that last more than like 90 minutes. Then again, I I will say I do love it when a comedy bang bang is like two hours long. But it's because it's it's skits. It's like little it's little bits throughout the whole thing. Like an really? office hour is more just okay. Let's call up this person or hey, let's look at this. No offense, uh, Tim Heidecker. I love I do listen to it because I do find it funny. But I found out about the Moonbase Eight thing from his mouth via his podcast, and I thought that was kind of cool. It, it, like yeah it, his podcast here's another thing about his podcast it really does feel like i'm just one of the guys like just his like you can call in and if you're not crazy yeah, you can get true, on yeah um but it's it's really that is yeah. something interesting about his format is that he has like this whole thing where people just can call in and they just have a conversation and, and it's, f- it's he treats everyone just like a friend and i gotta tell you um, i don't know if he's all the way off but he does this office hour does seem like to be his only time he feels the most real yeah like for the most part he's always he's an interesting dude characters. speaking um, of of podcasts so i'm excited for moon base eight uh speaking of podcasts though um a podcast that i'll recommend to anyone interested in the film industry whatsoever because i've really gotten a kick out of this um do you know have you listened to the roger deakins podcast no but i know you've talked about it uh several times it's 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 i mean it's i think it's called deakins team or something it's deakins like just type in deakins it'll show up but it's him oh it's him and somebody else named deakins (laughs) It's either his daughter or his his wife or his... Or his son mm, or his grandpa. No, nah, I mean, it's a woman. Or it's him. Um, but it's it's so informative. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to look it up. Can you look this up for me? Just the Deacons podcast Yeah. Uh, while I'm talking. Deacon. Like, who's the, the, the woman? Um, podcast. Because it's honestly, I mean, the woman, I feel like, is a little bit... She's the one that introduces it and stuff. Um, it, but they have. Is it called the making of a mosaic? No, it's just called deep. It's Deacon's podcast. See, th- we're so uh, I'm I'm so unprepared. I'll I'll take the fall for this. Um, it's called uh, Team Deacons. Team Deacons. That's it. Yeah. It's ja- um, it's 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 two. It's Roger Deacons and James Deacons. How do you think it's that? Is James a woman's name? Oh. Oh, no, I think well, it definitely sounds like a. Woman. Oh, I, I see. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, it is. Wait, I'm so confused. It, her name is. Her name is Elizabeth James Purefoy Ellis. Uh, but she is married to 
Roger Deakins. Oh, it's just she's married. Okay. Um, script supervisor. But she's also in the industry, no? Oh, she's a script supervisor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's two people in the industry. They are married. Uh, and for those who don't know who Roger Deakins, I don't know. I mean, this. I feel like... I don't know why you're listening to this show. I mean, Roger Deakins is... But I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'll inform you. But <laughs> Roger Deakins... <laughs> Roger Deakins is probably one of the most famous directors of photography there is. Um, he gets better than shite Robert. Done. Who's the one DP? Like uh, Tarantino's DP, Robert. Um, uh, see, I only know George, uh, the Robert. Darn it, the guy who did. There were famous uh, DPs back in the day who did like Godfather and Taxi Driver and all. Yeah, that not stuff. him. Um, um, pulp Fiction. Or, I'll look that. But you no, not Pulp Fiction. Don't don't look at Pulp Fiction. Look at it's um, Roberto Richardson or Robert Richardson, is the um, I think he's another famous DP. Uh, he kind of annoys me though because I think his I don't like his his style. I feel like like his style. I think it, I think it's uh, it's quaint. It's nice. Well, it's not quaint. It's very much Quentin Tarantino. Sky. But it's very. He's like Tarantino's. Okay, this is getting off topic. So Deacons um, has a podcast, but he brings on people from all over the industry. Like every single job in the industry. I feel like he he had one closer to home for me about a, a a color scientist. He brought a color scientist, and they talked to him about color science and like things that you wouldn't even think about um he had i mean the reason why i knew about the show is he had one with the cohen brothers but he more recently i i listened to one of jeb brody who's the president of production at amblin studios but he also uh he was the president of um what was it called um he was the president of uh he's been a president of a few things i'm so bad with names but uh he's he but his trajectory yeah he was the president of the united states um his trajectory was so fascinating because he worked at the museum of musing images and like how he they and they also ask really interesting questions like they ask questions they really challenged him about like there's obviously some people don't like the studios like directors don't like the studios and like what is your take on this kind of like dichotomy and he was like um, I mean, listen to it, but he was talking about how that's not like the the studio system of today is much more collaborative than it was in the in like the seventies. You like don't in the say. 70s, there was there was much more of a of an anger between the two, um, and it's like well, he was talking about how today in the industry he thinks that your your professionalism and how nice you are to people really helps you in like the long run while back in the past you could be like the biggest asshole but you'd still you know be william friedrich or whatever his name was the guy that directed the exorcist who is a horrible not a great person uh, but he kept <laughs> well, did directing you get, things did you get that because of this podcast i mean i've heard some stories but no i I, kn- I just horrible. know that from the the book uh, Easy Rider, Raging Bull. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get that um, he was in, like. I mean, he was only an asshole. There was the as... whole line. There was the line where he, the the woman, like the woman who was playing the mom, she like they were, they were pulling the string, to make her fly back, and she was telling the guy, "Hey, can you stop pulling it so hard? You're really hurting me." 
And then William leans over to the person who's like, pull it harder and breaks her back. And then he's like, keep the cameras rolling. And like, they're recording her screaming in pain. And she's, and they're like, still doing it. It's like, that's horrible. That and like, there's just so many stories of like him just being horrible to his actors. Um, but, you know, so anyways, I was, I great, was think, see, great I think, podcast. Oh. If you're interested at all in, you know, how is things it, are set up. He, is there an he, episode he you has, would recommend specifically? Like, oh, there was one. I mean, I really like the most recent one. I really haven't. I mean, he's done, been doing this for a while. Uh, is he, he just has so many people he's talked to. Has he talked um, to any blue collar people? Like, okay, so you're the janitor who sweeps up after a Scorsese shoot. How dirty oh, is he? Oh, he has one on, on a DIT. Um, is that a... I mean, I think it, the thing is... is I mean, uh, just like looking back on it. Okay, so this started. The first one was from back. Oh, I mean, it's a relatively new podcast. It started in April twenty fifth um, of this year. Um, but he has people. Like it seems like he's just getting deeper and deeper into so many various roles. Anyways, we should transition to our topic now. Um, yes, because oh, we're running out of time. Yeah, pretty soon this is going to be like a flop if we uh, keep going. Uh. Speaking of flops, what, what do you mean by a flop? What is the definition of a flop? Well, a flop is something that if you put enough like, say you put $5 into a lemonade stand, but you only make uh, $0.25, cents, your lemonade stand is a flop because it's a financial ruin. And some mm -hmm. of the most interesting things in flop town is movie flops, movies that are sunk that are given lots and lots of money, are thought it's going to be great, or really just commercially, you know, like some bum will, like some, somebody will watch it, <laughs> but then it doesn't. Get and it there, out, man. There are several movies like this. And I it mean, is, I, I think, and that's our topic for today is, 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 is flops. flops. Um, and it's, I think a majority of films are are flops really. I mean it's 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 you're taking a huge risk especially nowadays which movies are being made for like 200 300 million dollars like how like it's so hard to make that money back especially today since you know theater is I mean today not as in the pandemic but today as in before the pandemic theater attendance was going oh. less and less and less. So it's hard to kind of it, it, it's more likely I feel like for there to be a flop but also if your definition of a flop is just someone that doesn't make up the money yeah there's also like you're you're making money on you know yeah what's it called ancillary rights that's like where you make most of your money uh, and I think the damn definition of flop is mostly from box office which is the theater uh, like money you make from theaters um but uh, where do you want to – this is your topic. Where do you want to begin? Well, I mean, uh, right off the bat, there have been several flops in the last uh, dec uh, two decades. Uh, some real uh, famous ones, some ones that, uh, you know, we've probably seen. Uh, so I'm just going to start off uh, right off the bat with flop famous flops like uh, Battlefield Earth. Sometimes these uh, cult classic horrible movies are big flops. 
and turn into cult I don't even classics. Know what that is. Really? Okay, so it's a John. It it's called Battlefield Earth. It's supposed to be. It's one. Of, it's considered to be one of the worst movies of all time, but it's John oh Travolta uh, doing a movie kind of emulating his love for Scientology. Like it's oh. yeah, like it has a Scientology tilt to it. But it's about these aliens who are colonizing uh, humans, and then one human re- reacts back, and it's just so over the top. But it's it's a it's you know it's supposed to be this great sci-fi movie, but it's just a cheesy mess, and it lost one hundred and one hundred and eight million dollars, and the budget was seventy three oh million, uh, and it only grossed. Twenty nine point nine million. So it lost a lot of money, and this is uh, the one uh, one hundred and eight million for inflation. Is that's with that's with inflation, but um, you know, oh, so so he, wait, sorry, I'm just looking at the the trivia for this Battlefield Earth. It, it's so juicy. Like Barry Pepper apparently won uh, the Razzie for worst supporting actor, and he blamed it on a weak. He blamed the failure on a weak script and poor production values. He claimed that John Travolta's paycheck took up most of the budget. And also, apparently, John Travolta offered the directing seat to Tarantino, who declined, obviously. Um, so, there's a lot more, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's and it, it's also, so that one, there, that movie, to me, if I saw the trailer back in the 90s, uh, that, it looked horrible. Uh, just the way it looks, uh, you have... John Travolta and dreadlocks, but he's got a huge head. He, it just looks uh, terrible. And then there's movies that I actually am surprised are flops. Uh, ones you would consider to be like, how did this flop so hard? And one I remember liking and actually has a cult following now is the movie Treasure Planet, Disney's Treasure Planet. Now, of course, uh, a box office failure for Disney is like a drop like a stone in a, a lake. Uh, but still, um, during the 90s, I believe, or like early 2000s, uh, Disney was not the giant it was. Apparently it was struggling. Um, yeah. But uh, it lost. It's it's interesting because it had a budget of $140 million, uh, grossed domestically, Thirty-eight point two million, uh, and then uh, lost with inflation a hundred and twenty million. So it. Which movie was this again? This is Treasure Planet. It's that Disney movie that had. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it it had amazing effects. It's a great kids movie. It has a great concept. Personally, I think that you know, subverting a, a classic tale in say the Bronx or in space, is you know an easy uh, like. I feel like it. You could go to Hollywood and be like, okay. I mean, this is how they did Aliens, but it's like it's Jaws, but in space. I feel like that's the yeah. easiest way in a boardroom meeting. That like, I bet ma- I imagine there's a whole book on how to pitch a movie. I imagine there's hundreds. But if I really wanted to sell out and really get my movie made, all I would have to do is say it's this, but in this and. Um, Morgan Freeman's gonna be in it, or like somebody famous, and we're and like, or well, we're th- or we're thinking this is a comeback for Mel Gibson. 
yeah, and, well, and then you'll be kicked I, out I, of the room. I think a lot of these, you know, I, I mean, the idea of of movies that you're surprised they flopped. I mean, that like we had the whole episode on cult classics recently. All cult classics were box office disasters. All of these films, though, like like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, was a box office flop. Willy Wonka was a box office flop. Like all of these classic films, but here's the were, qu- question: were flop and like Willy Wonka. I'm looking at it right now. Willy Wonka only made four million dollars at the box office, which even for inflation, that's really small. Like that is not like you think of like what like what it's become today. Um, like calling something a flop, it doesn't th- th- it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad movie, which is what you were saying. But I'm wondering, do sometimes you hear so much about a flop, uh, and I wonder if, like, say, they kind of need a flop? Like, if every single movie was a success, what would the industry look like? Like, is there a way to make more money? I mean, of course there's the, the funny thing of the producers. Is there maybe more money in a, a universal flop than, than a success? Like, is there well, a way to still make the money back, even if it's a... Because in the late, re- recent years, I guess because we just pay more attention to it, us because we have the technology, it seems like there's so many flops, it, it, like, in the yeah. last 10, 20 years. Like, it seems like you have several flops. Well, that's because flops. there's so much money that they put into these films. Because these studios, you don't really hear too much about... Uh, there are a few that I was looking at where they do make um, such a bad movie that it does bankroll. I mean, like uh, the movie Giggly, Giggly, <laughs> the one Ben Affleck. How do you? How would you uh, sound this out? G I G L I, Giggly. <laughs> sure, I don't know that. Have film. you never? Have you never heard this film? I guess no. I. I guess I know more about bad movies than yourself. But this is also a famous, famously bad movie. And it's not like a cult classic. Well, it's a cult classic of how bad it is. But it was directed oh. by the guy um, who did Sin of a Woman, Midnight Run, and the Beverly Hills Cops movies. Which, Beverly Hills Cops is a like a franchise, a super successful franchise. And it's with Ben Affleck and um, Jennifer Lopez. And it's just horrible. I've seen scenes from it, and the it just it's it's a com it's a love comedy. Yeah, but it's super it says awkward. It, budgeted, it was budgeted at fifty four million, and then it only made seven point three worldwide. A, there's a hilarious scene when Jennifer Lopez is trying to seduce Ben Affleck, and she's like spreading like kind of like doing the leg thing on the bed, like kind of showing off her legs, and she's like, "It's it's turkey time," and then Ben. <laughs> And then Ben Affleck says, what? And then it's a close-up on her face, and she just goes, gobble, gobble. <laughs> I think, like, so many of these flops, though, you can kind of predict that they're not going to do well. Uh, I think any time that you take people who are, like, riding on a high, uh, you think that, like, they can do no wrong, you take them, and then you just have just a horrible story or like it's it's something that you it seems like it's too good to be true. Well, in which it's like the great all these great actors together 
but then it's like the story you're like well what's it what's it about that's not really that interesting and i think collectively like for instance i think one of the greatest examples of a flop is mummy which this guy andy brody talked about because he was um he was in charge of uh yeah sorry jeb brody he was one of the main studio heads of that film i mean no one i didn't know anyone he was excited about that movie but it was like you know a remake of or a reboot of a classic film with tom tom cruise like it had all these things lined up that i think studios think like this is going to be a a cash cow and then everyone is like no it's not because nobody was asking for this so um no and here's the thing whenever i can predict the the way i predict a flop like okay do little remember do little that came out and died i think that's considered oh yeah huge I mean that had an. Uh, a, I don't even remember that coming out. <laughs> uh, it came out, I think, actually during like on the very tip of the um, quarantine, and that's why it really? like died so bad. And also, it looked horrible. And when it's so generic, and it's based off something from like childhood, it usually stinks to high heaven. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody who comes to mind when I think of like recent flops. Or just is really, I don't know, not making movies that are that uh, interesting anymore is uh, Robert Zemeckis. I mean, I will say Flight was a very, very good movie, a tough movie. But uh, his recent stuff like Welcome to Marwin, Allied, uh, The Walk I heard was okay. But uh, also that's another thing. If the title of the movie is like a one-word title... Like the table or uh, jumping, something like that. It that to me screams, this isn't going to be a great movie. Like any any movie that I think has clickbait title. Uh, like I'm looking at stuff. Um, oh, I just saw something. Um, also, if the trailer man, I just passed it. Uh, here's another thing. All the trailers to me look the same and have the same kind of music you have a wide shot of something like of a town after maybe several like close-ups and then you have this like there's always this bing like this bing you know what i'm talking about i don't know what you're talking about it's kind of i can't i wish i could show an example but it's always this one lingering note like there's something on the horizon and that's why they do the 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 wide shot trailers all seem the same and that's why all these movies just kind of feel the same to me yeah there i mean this is um i do want to go back and talk about a little 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 history here because you brought up Doolittle, and i think historically i mean i don't really know about um, oh, Sam, hold on. I found my example of how all the trailers are all the same. It's this ding noise, okay? This is what I'm talking about. It's a ding noise. Listen listen to this, and you'll you'll completely understand. This is from just Marvel's... Sh- just share the audio with me. You don't... We don't have to just share it with me. Hold on. Let me just do it. Oh, my God. So this is Avengers Endgame. You, you hear that? Yeah, I guess. Uh, 
I mean, it's kind of the same thing as like how it, the, I think, I think, um, Star Wars honestly kind of popularized that, like how Star Wars began, like that, tra- that trailer. Yeah. I think a lot of trailers kind of mimic that. Anyways, going back to like classic, uh, flops, I think one of the biggest classic flops is, um, Cleopatra, which came out in 1964 and it, almost completely ruined fox um and it was some people point to it as like the beginning of the end of uh or it was kind of the end of the studio system because the the studio recast rehired re-everything they shot in multiple places and i think they were really anticipating this being a huge like historic epics where i mean ben-hur came out Five years earlier which made so much money and typically like these big historic epics make a lot of money so they thought like okay we'll just make up the money and it lost a lot of money um let me pull up the 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 the, the exact figures right now um well actually it didn't do too bad well actually it, it actually maybe technically it wasn't a flop but it it did bankrupt i mean i guess maybe this is the difference between different types of flops because it actually did make the money back but um it was it it really ruined fox financially like they were unable to make any type of film like this and although it made its money back i think they were expecting a whole lot more money like they were expecting like double the budget and they kind of just made the budget back um but the at at what cost you know i think it, it kind of ruined fox for a while um well, and one of the first inst- one of the first instances of a flop um is the dw griffith film intolerance really um wow. which yeah that's it's considered the first um i mean that's a blockbuster the if most... you ever or like a true epic yeah it was like the first true epic but it was it was considered uh, the first multi-million dollar box office bomb in film history. Um, it doesn't say... It apparently it bankrupt uh, Griffith's uh, Triangle Studios, um, and it gave him debt. He had debt for the rest for two decades um, because of this movie. Huh. Um, but, I mean, there's been so many... I think flops there was a lot of flops in like the 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 50s and 60s because these studios put in so much money to these things they thought would be a given and they really weren't hello dolly as another instance um (laughs) wait this doesn't seem right what's going on how is that even possible i'm looking at the the i don't think this is right i'm looking so i'm reading uh this is film amc film site um and it says that the budget was 25 million but the worldwide gross was four hundred thousand. <laughs> i don't know there must have been something that went wrong anyways regardless it was a huge fop which was also a fox film but that was another film that i think was a given a historical you know musical that was supposed to do really well with like stars uh with barbara streisand uh, and it, it, Michael Crawford, and it flopped. Um, well, I mean, there's the, also the the flop that also 
you know, you you can point to the flops, the hugest flops that uh, end a debt like a a generation. Uh, and then we've talked about this before, but uh, Heaven's Gate, uh, directed yeah. by Michael Cimino, Cimino, which this is the budget. The budget was forty-four million dollars, and the box office was three point five million, which is horrible, and it's almost four hours long. Uh, yeah, which maybe that's that's that. I mean, that kind of ended the whole director-run Hollywood thing. Which, you know, Cleopatra might have been the end of the studio system. And then there's a transition to directors in like the, the late 60s, 70s. And then at that point, I think Hollywood kind of learned its lesson. And I think they, they tend to now hedge their bets a little bit by having uh, like they have the tent pulls, they have the. But I do think now nowadays, if we can take any advice or evidence from you know, Cleopatra and from Heaven's Gate, when there's more and more flops, which I think there is more and more flops these days because there's so many remakes and there's so many things. Obviously, pandemic withstanding, I think this is changing everything. But um, it's it, it, I think it's a sign of things or, or something is going to change because so many films now, no, so many people are just focused on tentpole films. Well, I say... Um, which I think the thing that's going to... Yeah, no, the thing I think is going to change is, like, goodbye theaters. I mean, no one really... I mean, I know people love yeah. theaters, but uh, we're starting to realize we don't really need them and streaming, which is sad because the movie experience is classic movies. Um, and who wants to see, you know, you get a, the big screen. But the theater-going world that, say, they had in the 90s and even early 2000s... Uh, is I think uh, going to be a thing of the past. I think kids today are going to be more be like, "Hey, let's have it streamed," you know. I'm going to make a prediction. Shoot, I'm going to make a prediction that the new Dune is going to be a flop. Really? Because why? So? I think it's too. It's 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 too many. Like the director who directed Arrival, I can't. Uh, well, he's a he's a successful director. I mean, financially speaking, his movies Dennis do bring in the Villeneuve. Mo- they do bring in the Dennis money. Villeneuve. Yeah, but like it's one of those things where you get a director at the peak of his, you know, in like his prime. You get stars at the peak of their like being thrown into a big. And it was the same kind of thing with the original Dune. And I think you can kind of predict uh, how things are going to go. Based on if they're if you're remaking a movie that flopped, I think nine times out of ten, the remake's also going to flop because Dune, it was Richard Linklater's was very you know popular at the time. Uh, what's ta- his face? What are you talking about? Are you talking about David Lynch or David Lynch? Sorry, David Lynch yeah. was at the top of his prime. Um, well, he only did one. I guess this two movies before that. Yeah, but like they were w- really well known. Like they got him a lot of. He was he was he was a hype person at this time, and they, they obviously like Universal wouldn't have given him this much money if he wasn't very well known. But um, and it had like this young new up and coming actor, and uh, you know, I think maybe he wasn't as famous as Timothy Chalamet is now, but I just think 
it's going to be a flop. Um, I actually, you know what? I will not rival you on that because one Dune to me it doesn't look as bad as the trailer for the Dark, uh, Dark, uh, not what is it? Dark uh, Tower, the Dark Tower, because the uh, Stephen Dune is a literary champion that has several books, um, and I compare it to somewhat to the Dark. Like it has a whole universe, a universe that's so ingrained and it and very hard to put on film, um, like the Dark Tower, which is uh, is Stephen King's opus, uh, and now they're doing a movie of Dune, and I think you may be right, Sam. It looks great. It I looks- also one last one last thing, uh, one other film that is a famous box office flop is Bonfire of the Vanities, which oh. I've never seen. But that there's almost, a book about... Yeah, it almost ruined Tom Hanks' career. That and Bachelor Boys. And I don't know exactly what that flop meant for what studios learned. Um, maybe it was just the same kind of flop in the vein of, you know, because it was directed by Brian De Palma, so maybe it was like the same kind of flop... In which it was like maybe we should stop giving directors as much power, but maybe it had something. I don't know what if we learned anything from that story. Well, actually, um, it's a it, the reason the reason I heard also too that people didn't like it as much is for the literary purpose of everybody loved the book, um, and they did not think Tom Hanks's character was uh, well rounded enough. I think that was mm-hmm. it. Like the characters were wildly different than the ones from the book. Well, anyways, uh, that's flops. I think we should transition now to things that we've seen, yes. uh, which I don't. I want to talk about my thing real quick, because um, right. there's a show uh-huh. that came out in 2011 um, called. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. It's called The Story of Film and Odyssey. Have you heard of this? Story of Film and Odyssey. No. It's it came out in 2011. It's on Hulu. It's basically the history of film. Wait, what is this but called? But what's different It's the story of film and Odyssey. Um and it it's it's yeah, it's the story Oh wait, I was trying to look it up. Um Story of Film and Odyssey. So it's 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 basically it's this British documentarian um, named Mark Collins. Oh, actually, no, he's he's a film critic from Northern Ireland, which is British. It's part of Britain, um, and it's it's a very detailed depiction of film history, but not told like anyone else. Like they really dive into women in you know all different like it's international film history, and it's something that I it's kind of a revisionist history in a way. Like, I feel like it really shies, like it kind of is anti Hollywood. Um, so it dives into like people talk about Marlon Brando as being, uh, like the first naturalistic actor, but like, no, there was, you know, this female actor in China was like the first real naturalistic actor back in like the thirties. So it like really like picks apart thing, like the American idea that they were the first at everything. And it's really great. I'm three episodes in, um, and it's still fairly modern. Like it came out in 2011. So it's like a lot of the, like it goes up until the nineties. Um, 
Well, like it, you so said, it, it's still fairly modern. Well, like you said, uh, theater and movies are going to change very dramatically. I think in yeah. the next year so we'll see if i see that the last episode is called cinema today and the future so we'll see if maybe they predict some stuff that will be the pandemic yeah or no yeah. not the pandemic but just like i feel like there was probably not as much streaming in 2011 if anything yeah so what about um what about me what's your do you have one um i haven't watched anything new but i rewatched uh the movie unforgiven which is uh, Clint Eastwood's kind of n- nod to the aging anti-hero of the you know the the wild wild west, and mm-hmm. upon rewatching it, I love it again. I thought it was great. I think it's. I mean, here's the thing: Clint Eastwood. I don't think is the greatest. It's funny. Clint Eastwood is not a great actor. Like if you think of him only as Clint Eastwood, or, or just like if you think of him as just a guy. Like, if I never know who Clint Eastwood is, I would say, well, this is kind of over the top. Um, but people like Morgan Freeman and Gene Hackman and some other, like, all the rest of the actors in it, I think they do a fantastic job of acting. And and it's, I really enjoy it. It's it's also very strange to see, it's, it's honestly one of the best anti-hero movies I've seen. It's so... It's not. It's not as obvious in its depiction of the anti-hero, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, of course, ever since Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, anti-heroes have been basically running. Are, are like every TV show and every movie is is anti-heroes. We love the the bad good guy, but this one this one feels a little like we don't really we sympathize with him, but we we see kind of uh he's not crazy he was just a drunk and now he's living for his sins um Hmm. but uh i highly suggest watching unforgiven it's fantastic performances are good gene hackman i think is great and there's some also great one-liners too that's it for uh today uh next week uh, Zach, I'm going to be on vacation, so Zach's going to have a special Zach, first time. It's just yeah. going to be him. It's just going to be me, so um, the format is going to be much different. Uh, yeah, be a little well, bit. you'll have someone else on as well who we don't know yet. Um, but it's up but to yeah, me to figure uh, it out. Thanks for listening. Godspeed, everyone, and adios. I Godspeed, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs>